on this episode of AV Week, supporting local AV shows, The Power of USB-C, and Exertus Exits Australia. All that and more, next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 573, recorded Friday, August 12th, 2022. Power AV. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have got this, this week. First and foremost... Uh, incredible young woman. Her name is Brent Walker from Kierkegaard. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, Tim. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Uh, also uh, with me is my brother from another mother. His name is Joel Carroll, and he owns the best shirts in the entire AV industry. Also works for Mercer. Welcome, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Good to see you, man. Good to see you. Uh, and our old friend, Mr. Eugene uh, Ababio, uh, you are with a, uh, you guys have got a new thing going at the over at AV Pros. We'll talk about that in a second, but how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tim. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. A uh, couple of pieces of, of, of housekeeping really quickly. Um, we are going to be local uh, in Chicago for our first uh, regional Fuse event uh, a week, actually, from the time this posts. So if you want to find out more about that, go over to the website and sign up for that. First uh, up for uh, today, taking a look at uh, our friends over at AV Magazine, I'm talking about Exertus. Uh, Exertus has exited the uh, Australia market, Exodus Pro, uh, Exodus Pro AV, uh, I should say. Um, what they've done, though, in, in leaving Australia is they've left about eight or nine, they've left eight brands, eight AV brands, looking for distribution, looking for customers. Something that was very interesting here is the fact that, you know, traditionally Australia has been, it's not been the, the world's biggest uh, market, but it does add to the, the Asia Pack number, which right now is is exceeding the uh, the the uh, American number, the U.S. number. Uh, Brent, first question uh, for you on, on this: um, What does this what what does the exiting of of the Australian market mean for Exodus? But also, what does it mean for the brands that kind of relied on them for that distribution? Well, I think the brands will end up elsewhere, right? It's sort of like water. You know, um, if if there's a place for it to flow, it'll flow to it. As long as there's still customers there, you know, you'll you'll figure out your path. It might be bumpy for a while. You know, I I worked at Virgin Records early in my career, and you know, we had an Australian mark an Australian office, and Australia is difficult. Even if even if it uh, even if it does add to that number. Um, you got, there's transportation issues dealing with Australia. I mean, the, there's bureaucratic issues. Um, you know, they did well with COVID in the beginning because of how bureaucratically strict they are. So I can't blame them for not wanting to play in that market if they just had a small office with a couple of people. Now, yeah. you know, whether the decision-making of how they got to closing that office you know, if you're just doing it based on the numbers, I mean, that's about what your business plan is about. Um, for their, it's not, it seems as though their brand wasn't well established, 
So they're not losing anything, losing much in terms of brand value there. Um, so, you know, it's, we're living in a world where people are going to disappear. You know, we're at the start of a very difficult economic time. Um, we, those of us in AV felt have been feeling it. We've been feeling it probably more than a lot of other people. To us, it's been more than just, oh, there's no toilet paper on the shelf this week. So we're in for it. And I think that we have to be ready, you know, as an industry for more contraction. Joel, uh, look at it from both the manufacturing standpoint, because you, you work for, for Mersive, uh, but also, you know, how do you continue to, to support uh, your customers, uh, you know, the customers of the dealers, uh, when suddenly, you know, your, your channel, your avenue to them uh, is suddenly either changed or, or cut off completely? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. We talk about the support. A lot of the distributors that we work with, um, and we don't go through distribution, but just in experience and well from, from other companies, they do provide a level of support, right? So there are a lot of times the feet on the ground for that specific manufacturer. So, you know, from the manufacturing side, not only do we have to then find who's going to sell the product, one, do they have competing products that won't allow you to be picked up for whatever reason by, by the other lines? Uh, so that's a challenge. And then two, how do we get those people up to speed once we select a new distributor in said market so they can do a first level support and start to do the product and, and find a place to, to put it in? And that probably is going to even be a bigger challenge. You know, I, my product specifically, I know if we're going to go teach somebody how to do it and how to use it, it takes some time and they have to be vested in wanting to learn. Um, and if you don't have that over there as a product, you're not going to do well in, in a market like that that has really zero support. And it doesn't have really any access to people locally that can come in and say, all right, we got you, other than maybe the local integrator who also should know the product, right, and, and help out on those fronts. So it's kind of a two a two-pronged thing we have to worry about. One, can we pick somebody can somebody pick us up? And two, how do we make sure that we can get everybody trained to provide support to those, you know, end users and the channel in general? All right, Eugene, uh, you'll have the, the anchor on this one. When you look at stuff like this and and, and Bren mentioned the fact that we're getting ready to go into a, a pretty significant um, economic issue or, or storm. There are going to be some contractions. There are going to be some folks exiting the market one way or the other. If you're talking with uh, a customer or you're talking with, you know, uh, somebody who is, has, has you've been quoted, the, you quoted their, their project, you quoted this product versus that one. How then would you go about continuing to support your client, support the job, even though, you know, suddenly uh, company XYZ is no longer available? <laughs> that is a very tricky and a very good question. And, and quite frankly, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that uh, question because, uh, uh, you know, it isn't just me. This is an industry-wide uh, problem. Uh, the good thing is that we're not suffering alone, right? This is across every other industry uh, and uh, not just AV. What is scary with our particular industry is for a while we have not, uh, unless something changed in the last few years, we have not been really appreciated uh, on the, uh, you know, in a way that maybe electricians and, you know, IT, the IT market and other markets are appreciated and recognized, right? We're not necessarily recognizing that way. Now, they know, you know, clients know, you know, when they need AV, you know, we come in and they know what to do, but, but uh, we're not uh, necessarily officially recognizing that way. So 
Um, you know, it's it's uh, scary times. You know, I've seen uh, companies uh, firing now. Now, particularly with what I do, um, I usually come in at the end when equipment is installed. Uh, even though along the way I'm aware of purchasing issues, I come in when equipment and everything is installed, then I get the commission and make them work. Uh, but uh, it makes my job very hard because I can't come in. I can't do anything until equipment is purchased, installed, and, uh, you know, uh, fully functioning. So that's a very good question. It's, uh, I have to be honest, it's a, it's a scary time. Um, everything is up in the air right now. Manufacturers are making big moves. Um, they are, you know, dumping products. They're moving on. Um, it's, it's a good question. And if any one of you have an answer to that question, I would love to hear it. I mean, I'm, I'm on the other end of what you're feeling, right? So I design a project. I have one, one device that is no longer available. And all of a sudden I am redesigning a third of that project. And while that's happening, my projects that should be over that were commissioned and tuned in 2020, they're not over because something failed in the system that something's no longer available. And now we're redesigning again. So it's, it's a very, very challenging time. And, and we haven't even started talking about the labor issue. We haven't even talked about that. So, so you know, to that, to that point, um, to, to, to your point, um, I just received about four or five emails regarding the same jobs. Uh, we're at a point now we're not even updating drawings. <laughs> right, because it's it's actively changing. You know, we think we have a piece of equipment. We no longer have it. What do we do? Throw, you know, whatever you have. We don't even update drawings anymore because of that. Lucky you. All right, <laughs> Bren, Bren, Bren. You, you, you mentioned it. So explain it for folks who aren't paying attention to the labor issue. What What is the labor issue? Oh, it, I mean, it's shortage everywhere, right? It's shortage everywhere. And we're, we're seeing on some jobs where integrators are bringing in people who are brand new and, and the crew is twice the size it should be because they're training somebody who is brand new. Um, or where it's, you know, the start of a project. I mean, the managing, managing the delay in big pieces like transformers, right? Managing that delay along with when that integrator says they can start and when they need to be finished because of what's coming next for them. So if they need to start at, we're gonna start in three months, they need to start in three months. If they're not starting for another two months, then that's, that, it's a ripple effect where if that they could lose, they can actually lose talent that they have in terms of labor if they're just sitting on, on the side. And not everybody can afford to have people sitting on the side while they wait for things to come through. Only the big firms can do that. So that puts a lot of pressure on smaller firms, which are going to have a harder time trying to find talent anyway, because it's difficult mm -hmm. right now to find talent in just about any field. So, you know, as far as that goes, I think all we can be doing is trying to get more people in this field at, at every level, you know. Yeah, yeah it's uh, interesting a point you made. I was actually talking to, to an integrator uh, not long ago they are not able to do work through the rest of this year that has to do with install. So anything that's install related, 
they got to start selling 2020 or 2023 or whatever that is and out. Right. So yeah. it's hard because they can't find people. And what does that then do? Cause it's, it's a ripple effect. It hits salespeople. So then salespeople aren't able to, you know, get, you know, their commissions or whatever the case may be, depending on those, how that all works out, which then in turn hurts the company later down the road. Cause again, they don't have people selling because they don't have people to do the install. And that sale, it's yeah, that, and that salesperson is going to move on to something else, right? They have to. Correct. Yes. They have because to. they can't yep, they sit, to. they can't sit it out and wait. Right. So. Yeah. Twenty twenty two. This this is what the third year of a pandemic lives like. Looks like that's what I decided. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Still, the pandemic we're talking about, and this is. I it is, and I and I I don't want to anymore, but it, I know. it is. All right, let's let's move on to something. Um, I'm not sure it's, it's positive or not, but it, it it's there. Uh, our, our our friends over at AV Network and uh, SCN uh, and Joe Cornwall. Uh, Joe Cornwall, if you've if you've never met Joe Cornwall, oh my lord, find me the next time that we're at a trade show, and I and I will introduce you because he's just a fun guy to know. Um, and Joe has been talking about USBC. I know for five years, possibly longer. Uh, he goes into this and he writes a very interesting article about USB-C. Um, he goes over a couple of different things, uh, lists out, you know, the fact that it's got more power. Uh, you're, you're, you're able to send video uh, down, uh, down the, the, the um, USB-C. It has this alternate mode which produces or, or, or which uh, supports mobile high definition link or MHL, which is the ability... Uh, to connect um, these uh, 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 these uh, mobile uh, displays uh, to devices, so it's, it's it's really really powerful stuff. Uh, but this this is the the, the quote I want to pull from it. USB C is a powerful connection. This evolving technology not only supports legacy peripherals, but also the future of UHD and the demand for greater transfer speeds. Joel, we'll start with you on this. Where does USB C belong in pro av well i'm going to turn the page back about 20 years for a second and look at analog first right when we went from analog to hdmi and dvi and what do we hear in the world it's never going to take off hdmi is never going to work there was hgcp edid elemental p and all these other acronyms we we're always talking about that were causing these challenges for us um and what ended up happening i mean what do we install now what do we all use on a regular basis is a lot of the stuff's HDMI, and, and for good reason, because it created new technology. The stuff we have today, we could not do at all without the speeds that we got from HDMI and some of those other issues, which is kind of interesting because it caused a problem. All the AV integrators that didn't want to move in that digital realm, a lot of them kind of fell by the wayside. Some of them went away, and you know they, they, they want to stick in the analog world. USB-C, I think, is another opportunity for that same type of change. I feel maybe popular opinion or not, but I really feel it's necessary to be able to get to that, to that next level. You know, we do a lot of stuff, everything's AVORP, it's all encoded, uh, and that's great. But when you get to some of those other command and control spaces and all these other things that we're seeing come more fruition, um, the environments that we're getting into, you need more data. Uh, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to have enough. When we get enough, we're going to have something else that comes out. Uh, so I feel that the market needs to embrace it and be ready for it, even if it's not here today just to ensure they're not going to fall by the wayside because they didn't want to get on board with how USB-C is going to work in, in those hardwired type connections. 
All right, Eugene, uh, same kind of question to you. Uh, you look at take a look at USB-C. Uh, is it something that belongs in the industry or is it something that we can kind of uh, pass along to, and wait for the next the next piece of technology? No, no moving on from uh, USB-C. Um, I do think it's the next generation of um, connection. It does provide the necessary bandwidth uh, for what we need. It's 10 gigs or up to 10 gigs. I think that's really great for what we really do. Uh, but uh, just two problems. One is that uh, when will they make it lockable or something that we can screw and keep in permanent on our gear? Uh, number two is uh, having access to a good extender. I've searched up, down, left, right for a good USB 3.0, 3.2, or C extender. Uh, it's been a very difficult task, believe it or not. Uh, but uh, the fact that uh, England is making it a national standard means that it's definitely not going away. And uh, if we've learned anything here on the other side of the pond is that we should really be following behind uh, England, whatever they do. Uh, right. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's something to ignore. Quite frankly, I do think that we need to step up. It's great. Uh, it's small. Uh, it's perfect as a peripheral uh, on a smaller form factor product. All right. Bren, same kind of question to you. When you're looking at the designs for the next two years, three years, is this something that we're, we're continuing to put in? Absolutely. And I feel that pain on the extender. I'm feeling it right now on a particular project, actually. Um, you know, I think back about just USB in general and how powerful USB was from, you know, the beginning and how much easier it made for someone who is not technical to make devices talk to one to another. So to me, this is fantastic. I hope we get to the place where it's a standard in North America. And the one thing I like about it, too, is the bidirectionality. Yeah, and we haven't definitely. even begun to see what we can do with that. I think about all kinds of interesting things that could happen because it's bi-directional. In terms of realizing some of the things we say about making experience personalized to people. And so good stuff all the way around. Uh, all right. Uh, final story comes to us from our friends. Oh, our friends at from us, Aviation. Uh, uh, but our friends at Pearl Technology are hosting their second annual showcase. Uh, this is a, a frequent guest of, of AV Week, Jeremy Caldera, and his company. They had uh, they had their first showcase last summer at the uh, Peoria Riverfront Museum in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, they are doing it again uh, September twelfth uh, again back to uh, Peoria and the Peoria Riverfront. So if you're in that area, go and, and you know hang out with with Caldera, uh, former CTS um, committee uh, chairperson. Uh, so uh, check him out as well. But um, Eugene, I want to start with you on this. As we're coming out of, of COVID, and yes, Bren, I am tired of talking about COVID, but as we're coming out of it, and big, ginormous, multinational and national events like Infocom and ISC are, are coming back, when you look at, at, at local events like, like Jeremy's and Pearl Technologies, you know, kind of that's certainly a, a, a local, regional event. What makes you, and Eugene, Eugene's in the, in the York area, what would make you kind of go out and support a, a local event as opposed to maybe saying, no, I'm, I'm going to go to Infocom or I'm going to go to Cedia here if you're in the residential market? <laughs> oh, man. Free food. Okay. <laughs> Free entertainment, you know. Uh, beer, uh, you know. 
I, I mean, we there there has to be great incentive now, you know, try to get us uh, out the door and into the public. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, with the monkeypox now, it makes things uh, a little bit more complicated. Um, I had to in the last couple of days before I can actually walk into my client space, I have to take a COVID test. Right. And yeah. sit there and wait. Um, I, you know, I'm sick and tired of COVID. Um, I don't want to risk getting anything else. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't think is it really necessary to, you know, really be meeting people now and, you know, when I can get the same information from, uh, you know, some kind of conferencing or remote uh, connection, some web. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, what what is the incentive there now to have people move from one place to another physically? Brent, same question is, is what would it take? Eugene pointed out, what would it take to kind of get you out there and, and to uh, to interact with people on a local or regional uh, basis? I think you got to offer me something I can't get somewhere else. Hmm. Right. And and just showing me a product is not enough because I have other forms that I can see product. So what is it about Peoria and what's in Peoria that should make us drive from Chicago to Peoria to go, you know? And I think that our, our industry needs more thought leadership. It needs, on, at those kinds of events, we need people talking about how we overcome the idea that we're not as important as other segments, when clearly video is the top form of communication in the world and it's in the name, in our name, audiovisual, it's right there. So I look at those events, if you've got somebody coming to talk who can say something that's gonna help me grow, I might be interested. Free food ain't gonna do it and swag isn't <laughs> gonna do it either. So, you know, I got enough t-shirts and mugs and whatnot. Give me something I can't get anywhere else. I want to point out that Brent is probably more sophisticated than all three of us put together, gentlemen. Just want to point that out there. I'm 100% with Eugene. You give me food. You give me, you know, some. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with him. Uh, Joel, and I know you're there too, because if there's, if there's food involved. Uh, Joel, same question: is, is how are we getting folks to these regional events? Well, I'm a picky eater, so food never gets my me. foot. I've eaten with you. Oh, come on. <laughs> but you've eaten. Yeah. Well. Okay. There are places I've eaten with you because I like hanging out with you, Tim. Okay. Is that is that the, the case? It's the company that was there that drew me to that. That, to that Waffle House at experience. 3 o'clock in the morning was my company. It wasn't the mother's <laughs> yeah, Waffle House? Come on. Got to do it. I go to Waffle House only twice a, once a year, actually. And it's only with Erica, and she gets to pick the day. I just – Wow. I live in the South. I still can't do Waffle House. Anyway, um, I don't – I mean, to Brent's, to Brent's point, I, I think – I think the food and, and having, you know, beverages and things like that, it's starting to change. That used to be a big draw, I feel. Yep. And I don't want to say it's not important to still have that there. So you have a community and, and people get together. But I think the there's a necessity for these events to change. Um, what's the reason for us to go? Why can't I just, like Eugene said, why can't I look up the, you know, the specs online and get that data? Why would I want to go to the show if it's only going to be, somebody that in the speaking events do nothing more than a product pitch. I can do that online. I can do that on YouTube. So for me, it's like the thought leadership aspect. If people are there doing thought leadership and you get to meet that individual and communicate and, and it's not to me a presentation at that point, it's actually a thought leadership group. We are talking back and forth, you know, not just being spoke at. I think that's, that's critical. If I'm going to go to an event, 
the other thing is it's experiential. Mm. Um, there's a lot of events that go on, and I don't go to a lot of them. Uh, some of them I will, but I will pick and choose a little bit based on the experience that's going to occur. Will I get a tour of a campus of a higher education institution by going to this event? Will I see something and get into a door of a company that I never would see what they would typically be doing if I didn't attend that event? Um, I want to say a few years ago, uh, Avixa did something here at um, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah. And we got this really cool backstage tour and all that. Honestly, it's great that Avixa came into town. I'm not going to drive an hour and a half and go sit in Atlanta for any other reason other than I had that opportunity to see the back end. So those experiences help create dreams, create thoughts, create ideas. And we can take even what they do in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and figure out how can I try to get that type of experience even in a small conference room, within reason, obviously. But it helps to spawn stuff. To me, that's key. Otherwise, I think we'll see those smaller shows slowly but surely lose lose attendees. You know, if they're smart, Tim, they'll they'll add a job fair to their small show. Because uh, I would oh, come yeah. if there was That's a, a chance idea. that I might meet talent. We should be charging for this. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to let you guys continue on your on your Friday. Thank you all so much. Bren Walker, always a pleasure, madam. I always uh, learn something from you, so thank you so much. How do people connect with you? Uh, Bren at Kierkegaard.com or on LinkedIn, Brenda J. Walker. All right, very good. Mr. Joel Carroll, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or Immersive? Absolutely. So Immersive is Immersive.com. It's jcarroll at Immersive.com or find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's the Joel Carroll is my tag. All right. Eugene, always good to see you, sir. Um, talk for a second before you give people your, your, your socials about what avpros.io uh, is, what you guys are doing, uh, and some of the, the changes you're hoping to, to make in the industry. Yeah, so uh, thank you, by the way, uh, for this opportunity. Um, what we have realized in during the pandemic, just like anyone else, is that it's necessary to to remain agile, right, uh, flexible to yep. new ways of doing business. Otherwise, you you die out, right? Uh, if you are unflexible and there's a strong wind and you're so stiff, you're going to break. So instead of us breaking, we're trying to bend. And, uh, and the direction in which we're trying to bend is that we're noticing that systems are becoming uh, simpler and clients are now more interested in designing their own system and maybe putting it together. Uh, now, they may not be able to do it 100% like we do, right, because we're professionals. Uh, so what we're trying to do is uh, to allow them the opportunity to build their own system and products, right, uh, in a simplified way knowing that there is a brain and there is a genius behind verifying what they're doing. So we're uh, trying to build a system that gives them control, but yet allow us some, some level of control. And uh, of course, allowing us the opportunity to do the uh, installation post you know, uh, design. Uh, that being said, in order to make all of that work, we needed to come together and form uh, what we could, you know, now called uh, AV Pros. Now, I still have my own entity. We all still have our own thing, but we are coming together as, uh, you know, a partner. So we formed a really great partnership, and we are operating uh, as with a general contractor, right? You, you don't necessarily need the painter, the plumber, the guys who's doing the mason, you know, the roofing guy, all working for the same company, right? Yeah. Uh, but yet, you can still have that one, you know, company that's, 
can uh, reach out to various, you know, specialties to, to, you know, achieve a task and yet still carry the same responsibility and liability. And so that's where we form AV Pros. It's basically made up, you know, uh, people like myself and other professionals in this industry coming together to cater towards, you know, uh, clients uh, who are looking for those simple, simple uh, systems without the big, you know, AV switching. Now, we still do that, yeah. except we're allowing them to, you know, come to a certain point and then we carry, you know, clients' needs uh, beyond that. Yeah, very cool. Uh, a couple of years ago, Mitch Klein from uh, um, from the uh, the Z Wave Alliance, uh, he he was talking and, and made the comment that on the residential side there is a, a do it with me type uh, market. That is exactly what you're talking about there on the yes. commercial side, right? So good good for you guys. Uh, so thanks so much. Looking forward to see what you guys and uh, and uh, kind of come up come up with uh, in some of the jobs that you're involved in. So very awesome. cool. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on the Twitters. Um, tomorrow, as we're recording this, the Bears play Kansas City, so I will be complaining about the Bears for the next three or four months. Um, Chicago, American football, for those of you overseas. Uh, but go by the website, if you would, please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, I mentioned Cedia uh, at the beginning of the show. We will be going to Cedia. Uh, you can check out our residential show. Uh, my buddy Matt Scott um, hosts that every Wednesday. Uh, you also check out Fuse, uh, fuse.avnation.tv. That is our uh, user portal. Uh, we're having a Fuse event in Chicago the 22nd of August. Uh, you can check all that out uh, and more at avnation.tv. It's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.